the second episode of the EMAGCast mini-series, Climate Change and Human Health. My name is Katie, and through the course of eight episodes, I'll be walking you through the many ways that climate change impacts human health. Today, we will focus on how colder temperatures affects it. This mini-series is a part of a scholarly project to explore how podcasts can work as a climate change educational tool for healthcare professionals. There's a very short survey that I hope you will fill out after listening. It should take no more than a few minutes and would be a huge help to the project. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get started. It might seem counterintuitive to discuss extreme cold temperatures in a podcast that is focused on climate change and the rising temperatures of our Earth. However, as global temperatures rise, we have already experienced more extreme cold events, and these events are predicted to increase in incidence over time. Unfortunately, a lot of people are saying that these extreme cold events argue that global warming is not real. They often say things like, if it is so much colder where I am, then how can the earth possibly be warming? Since this is such a common argument by people who identify as climate science deniers, I'd like to take a minute to discuss the science behind these cold weather events and how they actually are fueled by global warming. First, it's going to take some imagination. Let's imagine the earth spinning on its axis. As it spins, the part of the Earth that is facing the sun experiences warmer temperatures, and the part that faces away will cool off. You probably remember this from elementary school science classes, but the Earth's axis does not line up exactly with its orbit around the sun. So at different times, different hemispheres of the Earth are tilted towards the sun, and the other is tilted away. The hemisphere that is tilted toward the sun gets more sunlight, which makes summer, and the one that's tilted away gets less, which makes winter. Now let's picture the poles of the Earth. Way up high in the atmosphere surrounding the poles of the Earth are large masses of extremely cold air called the polar vortex. Picture a spinning top. The little handle on the top is the polar vortex, the air that flows around at high speed and low pressure in a counterclockwise manner around the poles. The polar vortex does not directly influence our weather, but it does influence the jet stream, which is a band of air that flows around the polar vortex at an altitude of about 10 kilometers. In our spinning top analogy, the jet stream is where the handle connects to the main part of the spinning top. In the winter, the jet stream carries the weather from the Arctic North Pole down the northern hemisphere. The jet stream usually moves in a strong circle around the Earth, and it does not waver much from its path, kind of like when the top is spinning really fast and the handle stays pointed up. However, when the top slows down, all of a sudden the handle is wobbling all about. This is kind of like when the jet stream weakens and begins to rotate around the Earth in a wavy fashion. The weakened jet stream, along with the weakened polar vortex, allow for further movement of cold air down through the northern hemisphere. This can cause prolonged chilly temperatures in the affected areas. But how does this all relate to the rising temperatures? Well, warmer Arctic temperatures weaken the jet stream. As the global temperatures have increased, the Arctic has experienced disproportionately rising temperatures due to the melting of the polar ice caps, which results in the loss of the insulatory effect of snow and ice, and more heat absorption by the ocean. The Arctic warming is especially strong in winter months, which means the jet stream is more likely to be weakened during this time. This contributes to the extreme cold events. 
Additionally, as the world warms, more water is precipitating out of our oceans, resulting in moisture air. When the moist air collides with the cold air, it results in huge snowstorms, like the one in the Alps just a few years ago. Okay, so hopefully that gave some good background on how climate change is contributing to extreme cold events. Now let's talk about how these colder events are impacting human health. We will chat about long-term cold exposure effects on the cardiovascular and respiratory systems, and then we will talk about what happens during extreme cold events. Around the world, seasonal variations in mortality have been studied and have demonstrated higher levels of mortality in colder winter months. This phenomenon is referred to as excess winter mortality. These excess deaths are often due to cardiovascular and respiratory diseases. One study that analyzed data from the National Registry of Myocardial Infarction in the United States found that hospital admissions for acute MI were over twice as high in January compared to July. Over 13,000 people were admitted for acute MI in January, while just under 6,000 were admitted in July. We talked about the effects of heat on cardiovascular mortality in the last episode, and it's important to note that the curve of mortality versus air temperature is U-shaped, with increasing deaths both as temperatures rise and as temperatures fall. The exact mechanism that links colder temperatures to cardiovascular mortality is unclear. However, it is quite clear that there is a link between myocardial infarction and colder temperatures. There does seem to be a lag time, with the increased mortality rates occurring a few days to a week after the decrease in temperature. Studies have demonstrated a few possible contributions of cold weather to cardiovascular disease. The stress of cold temperatures causes an inflammatory response that results in increased plasma cholesterol, increased fibrinogen, and increased red and white blood cell counts. This inflammatory response and resulting hypercoagulable state may contribute to the increased incidence of acute MI. When body temperatures drop below 35 degrees Celsius, the stress on the cardiovascular system starts to result in arrhythmias, ventricular fibrillation, and cardiac arrest. While cardiovascular mortality is a huge contributor to excess winter mortality, it is actually the respiratory impacts of cold temperature that have the largest effect. It's thought that winter flu epidemics account for as much as two-thirds of these excess winter deaths. Studies show that cooler temperatures increase the risk of getting a respiratory infection, and that having a cold housing environment also increases that risk. Let's talk a little bit about what happens to the respiratory system when it's exposed to cold air. The airways are lined by a thin layer of liquid called airway surface fluid. When this fluid is exposed to cold air, it begins to dry up and become more hypertonic. Simultaneously, the cold air results in activation of the epithelium to produce pro-inflammatory substances, which cause epithelial injury. The mucociliary function of the respiratory tract becomes impaired and less capable of clearing pollutants. In patients with underlying respiratory diseases like asthma and COPD, the cold air can result in bronchial hyperactivity, resulting in bronchoconstriction and exacerbations of underlying lung disease. These exacerbations are especially common with rapid reductions in air temperature, especially with rapid changes greater than 5 degrees in Celsius. Breathing extremely cold air, especially at rapid rates, can lead to acute pulmonary edema or even frozen lungs. Like cardiovascular disease, the elderly population is most at risk for negative respiratory effects of cold weather. For the elderly population above 75 years old, there is a 3-4% higher increase in daily mortality for each degree in Celsius that the temperature drops below a city-specific minimum temperature. 
in addition to the direct effects of colder temperature on respiratory mortality. As temperatures outside drop, people are more likely to congregate in indoor spaces, which results in increased transmission of respiratory infections. Now that we have covered some of the associations between exposure to cold temperatures and cardiovascular and respiratory health, let's explore extreme cold events and who is at higher risk for mortality. Of the over 10,600 weather-related deaths from 2006 to 2010 in the United States, over 6,600 of them were attributed to excessive cold temperatures, hypothermia, or both. In addition to the usual vulnerable populations like infants, older adults, and those with pre-existing medical conditions, people who use alcohol and recreational drugs, those who are houseless, and those who have inadequate access to winter clothing and warm spaces are at increased risks of hypothermia-related mortality. The pathophysiology behind the role of alcohol and drug use is interesting. Alcohol and many recreational drugs often cause vasoconstriction to the skin, which results in the skin feeling warm despite a declining core temperature. When this occurs, people are less likely to recognize the extent to which their body is cooling and are less likely to do things like seek a warm space or put on more layers of clothing. That, of course, implies that they have access to shelter and clothing, which is not always true. People who live in low-income counties are more than twice as likely to experience cold-related deaths. So, how can we mitigate these impacts for our vulnerable populations? Once again, the strategies to mitigate the health impacts of climate change require huge policy changes to slow the progress of climate change, along with community members coming together to care for their vulnerable populations. Some examples include distributing warm clothes, safe heating options, and cold-weather camping gear to folks without access to these items, educating individuals on safe heating options and to avoid the use of combustion devices that result in the buildup of carbon monoxide, and opening warming shelters for community members. All right, that's all I have for cold-related illnesses. I hope you found this to be interesting, informative, and useful. Just a reminder that this series is a part of a project that looks at podcasts as a climate science education tool for healthcare providers, and I would greatly appreciate it if you took just a couple minutes to fill out the survey that's posted in the description of the episode. It'll only take a minute or two. Thank you so much for listening. Up next, we'll chat about bugs, factors, and infectious diseases.